I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first snappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Becoming a mother is not just about the birth of a baby, it is also about the rebirth of you, your matrescence, a radical identity shift that is so powerful that it can also knock us off balance if we don't understand what's happening within us. From experiencing her own transformation after three births, fertility challenges, an ectopic pregnancy, early onset of labour and months of bed rest to get to due date, Layla began to process everything that was going on with her. Why was she missing her old self? Why wasn't she enjoying it as much as she thought she should? Why couldn't she rest when given the chance? And most of all, why were women in Ireland so let down by a system that doesn't care for them once baby is born? All of this led her to study what happens to us in postpartum and why we have forgotten to nurture and support women after birth through genuine rest, healing, talking, nourishing and restoring. And Nua Nua was born, where Layla can now be that support for women. Because guess what? We're not meant to be doing this on our own. Layla, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm so glad that I suppose women now have somebody like you who can help guide them through postpartum and help us to all understand a little bit more about what's going on for us. Um, and of course, this all started because you are a mum of three and there is no great learning curve for this work than having a child. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, the reason that I'm, I think, in this work is because I needed answers myself. You know, I'm, I'm here to, to work it out for myself as much as for anybody else. Um, and certainly finding this path and this, this, this work has really helped me work out my own journey through motherhood and answered a lot of questions and yeah been a salve for a lot of frustration and and all of that as well so yeah i'm i'm on the journey too um and sharing what i i learn on the way take us back to the very first step of that journey then nine years ago nine years ago yeah so my eldest is um he'll be 10 in in december and um yeah we had a a journey to to conceive max max is um 
is my eldest. And so, yeah, we were at the point of, I had had a lot of surgeries on my, my womb before with a lot of um, very big fibroids um, that had been removed. So prior to that, it was 0% chance of babies. After the surgery, it was 50-50 was the statistics I'd been given. So we had spent about two years trying to conceive and no luck and had actually started going down the route of adoption. We were living in Germany at the time um, and IVF wasn't really on the cards because of the way my insides were. Um, and yeah, we uh, conceived Max. So um, he came into the world um, with a C-section that was quite violent I think looking back on it but again with a first time mother you don't know any different you don't know how these things are supposed to go um, and I came home uh, with a very um, unhappy baby I guess who cried a lot who was very very colicky um, and I was on my own over in Germany um, which all sounds really hard and kind of stressful but the system over there at the same time had um basically sends you a midwife every day for as long as you need it after birth and that midwife is somebody that you've known while you're pregnant as well so they call it Wochenbett, which means weeks in bed and it's this 40 days of rest and recovery um, after birth, which I had never heard the word, just about knew what your postpartum was, didn't know, you know, didn't never heard the phrase fourth trimester at that point, um, but did this kind of weeks and, and days and weeks at home um, being looked after by this midwife. And looking back now, I don't know how I would have got through that time without this support there. Um, so it was this wonderful kind of being held by, by somebody else, you know, and looked after um, by her, kind of unbeknownst to myself that this was anything unusual, I suppose. Um, but I also, I think, even with that did feel, I can remember it really clearly, this kind of sense of huge shock. Like my husband went back to work after about two weeks and I remember standing looking out the window with this screaming baby in my arms going, oh Jesus, like this is, this is on me to, to look after this baby. And I, I really struggled with the idea of having really wanted this baby for so long. Um, and loving it with every ounce of my being. You know, you talk about that so beautifully on, on your feed on Instagram. But also just feeling like kind of mourning my old self and mourning what I'd just lost. And also, yeah, being feeling quite frustrated that I now had no kind of autonomy. Um, I had no, like I couldn't have a shower, I couldn't go out, I couldn't do anything without somebody else's help. Yeah. Um, and I guess looking back now, I kind of have a language and a framework around that and I have words having studied this idea of matrescence and they would call this the inner split where you feel so kind of split in half, I guess, between this old self and mourning that, but also there's nowhere else in the world that I, I want to be. Um, so 
yeah, I had all of that going on, but also had this incredible amount of postpartum support as well. That not until later, and I came back to Ireland for a third baby, did I realize quite how much of a support it had been really when I had a comparison. It sounds unbelievable. You know, it sounds so far away from what women in Ireland receive mm. in postpartum care. And that's mm. even pre-pandemic because, yeah. I mean, during pandemic, you know, we know that women aren't even having those public health nurse visits um, or even the three-month developmental checks or any of these supports. Um, mm. but, but even before that, you know, one, one visit and then it, possibly a second to make sure that baby's weight was coming back up. But it was never about the mum. It, it's about the baby's weight coming up. And there's this pressure, especially if you're breastfeeding, to like get the baby's weight up. And then, yeah. and then once you do, the public health nurse leaves and that's it. She evaporates. Yeah. I think it's, it's, and that I think is somebody else was asking me the, the other day. And I think for me, the difference, they're saying, what's the difference between the approach in Germany and in Ireland? And I think it's exactly that. It's very baby centric here. Even when you're pregnant, it's mm. what do you, what's the list? What do you need for the hospital? What baby grows do you need? Do you need poppers or what do you need? And when you get home, it's all baby centric. And then the care is let's weigh the baby. How is the baby? Um, whereas in Germany, you know, the baby's checked on, but it's very much secondary. And the approach and the mindset is if mummy's, if mum is fine, baby's going to be fine, you know, and obviously there's exceptions to that and medical things that need to be checked, but it's very mother centric, um, the care, and it's very much you need, and it's very practical, you know, as well. Um, you know, you need to be well to look after your baby. And if you're not well, then we're gonna have to look after you and your baby. So, you know, we're making more work for everybody here um, as well. But it's, it's very much the mother is the center of it all through the whole arc of the pregnancy and, that particularly that postpartum period and the emphasis is very much on your postpartum even while you're pregnant um whereas I think we kind of race to the birth and that's the finish line what here. would the nurse have done for you when she's calling in on those days so I would have known I was very lucky uh, or I actually I think I went and sought her out but she was half Irish half German so I had this lovely combination of both and she'd worked here in the Coombe and had returned back to Germany but she, so I knew her so I would have seen her she would have called to my house um, to do all of those kind of blood pressure and checkups and you know measuring your belly I don't know if they do that here measure your belly as it's growing do they but as in they, physically with a measuring tape yeah they do they, there's there's yeah they do measure the bump yeah. yeah so all of that would happen in my house and she'd call in mm -hmm. and um do all of that so I knew her and then once the baby is born like I remember we got home and first baby and you're in a panic and I didn't know if it was warm enough or cold enough in the room. And so I just picked up the phone and called her and said, you know, here's, I was had like temperature thermometers in the room and, you know, it was completely first time parent. And, um, you know, she was on the end of the phone to just answer any questions. And then the next day <clears throat> she 
will call in and just sit there with you, make you a cup of tea. Um, she bring her own range of herbal teas in her kind of Mary Poppins case, make you a cup of tea in your kitchen, sit down, just listen, you know, listen to your birth story. It wasn't a formal telling of it, but just gave you that space. Um, helped you with breastfeeding, latching on, you know, showing you here's how you feed when you're lying down, you know. Um, so you can feed at night. Here's different positions. Let's try it out. Taught you how to bathe your baby, all those kind of practical things. Very much troubleshooting issues that you might be having. So she would bring little herbal teas for you or would do an abdominal massage to help your, your, your stomach and, and everything go back to where it should inside you. Um, yeah, just there as a support. So a combination, I suppose, of an alternative practitioner. So she would have done homeopathy and massage and she was studying acupuncture at the time that I had her. And then all the medical, she was a midwife. So she had all that medical background and training and breastfeeding lactation stuff as well. So just a fairy godmother, really. So, so even though you say you had what you now think was quite an aggressive C-section. Mm. So you definitely had physical, um, I suppose, recovery that needed to be done. Huge but have, having her there, do you think she was more of a benefit to you mentally and emotionally or physically? Oh, yeah. oh mentally and emotionally, beyond a doubt. She was just like in this sea of, you know, um, the days and nights that were just a blur. I knew she would be there at 11 a.m. every morning and I just had to get to that 11 a.m. and Katrine would arrive at the door and give you this kind of anchor in that crazy stormy seas. So and I knew she would be there. She wasn't going to disappear. You know, the, the contract that you have with her and this is all on. This is free. I wasn't paying some, you know, crazy amount of money. It's all part of your health insurance. So. I knew that she would be there as much as I needed her. Um, so yeah, it was just that anchor of just somebody. So she could have known nothing, you know, and I've had no medical experience and still had that anchoring impact. I think it, it was that mental and emotional support for sure. What you're describing might be something that we would know as a doula. Yeah, exactly. So she 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 formed played that role of a, a postpartum doula in many ways. Um, possibly not so much of the kind of cooking cleaning side of it. Um, but yeah, basically that role, and it's a very traditional role. You know, this almost every culture has either played by aunts and mothers and grandmothers and other females in the in the community or a more official version of it but we're almost the exception to the rule in many kind of western cultures that we're missing that now um something that's existed for a very long time you had a second birth in germany with this same system was the delivery easier and and the the route to pregnancy easier on you the route was, um, yeah, I conceived very easily. So there's about two and a half years between them uh, and my daughter um, and my son. Um, the pregnancy was fine until about 21, 22 weeks and then went to the 
um, you go to a gynecologist in a private office there, you don't go into the hospital, but equivalent because I thought I had pelvic girdle pain, couldn't walk. He checked me and said, no, you're dilated. Um, you need to go to the hospital right now. Oh so I ended up um, about two and a half weeks in hospital with her, just trying to get the cervix to kind of return and shrink again and um, managed that, uh, was on bed rest then until uh, she came along at 39 weeks. Um, but I had a really interesting birth with her just by chance the consultant who was delivering me was it's now I've seen it a bit on um kind of feeds and stuff people are are having it but at the time he was quite new he, they call it a Kaiser Geburt so like a cesarean birth instead of a cesarean section so you have the same surgery to you know open you up but then they pull down the, the, the curtain and ask you to push. So you actually push the baby because you can still use your muscles even though you're numb. And um, so you push, I think probably with a little bit of help, I don't remember, but you physically push the baby out your belly yourself. Wow. Um, which was nice because I kind of knew having had these surgeries that I was never going to be allowed labor. Um, so it was a nice, a really nice experience um, to experience a little bit of it. You yeah, know? to play a bit of an active role. In exactly, because it. it's quite a passive thing that the sections so were very passive. So, yeah, and she was a very, very chilled baby. So um, that was a lot easier. And then I had this postpartum again. Um, yeah, and a different midwife because the midwife I had was actually having a baby herself and she was like they, they'll put you in your place like I was out of bed too soon and I was told in no uncertain terms I needed to get back into bed you know it wasn't time you weren't up at your 10 days I wasn't ready to yeah um, I'm trying to what was too soon and this is like ten, it's 10 days in bed like it's not regimented they're going based on you but she yeah. came in and she saw me and she said you're in your 10 days in bed and you're not up to it, get back into bed, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it's 10 days in your bed, 10 days around your bed. So kind of might sit in an armchair or but you're not up in the kitchen putting on a kettle or anything. And then 10 days around your apartment and 10 days around your neighborhood is what they say as a rough guide. Um, which sounds, and a lot of people say, God, I get so claustrophobic or, but because you've kind of built this nest and everything is coming to you and food is cooked and someone coming and giving you a massage and it's not um, cabin fevery. You know, you're ready for the walk when it comes, but it's a lovely retreat. Um, harder with the toddler running around, but still. Well, yeah, I was just about to say, because having just had my second, mm -hmm. you know, I, I definitely appreciated the need to relax a lot more this time mm. um i definitely had a lot more adrenaline the first time and felt a guilt if i wasn't back performing the duties that i used to perform if that makes yeah. sense um an impulse to just be like I'm, and i and to be fair i think i because i was physically fine i wasn't recovering from any any surgery or anything you know um i felt mm -hmm. good but this time it was slower as a result of COVID. Mm. 
in one way. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing to clean because guests weren't arriving <laughs> daily. Um, but I did have a three-year-old. So yeah. the thoughts of, you know, being um, physically inactive for that length of time just doesn't, just doesn't feel real for me. Because again, I suppose the, 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 the negative of COVID, of course, as we know, I, I couldn't give her to anyone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it's like, it, it's, it's, that's the challenge. And it's, it really is when we talk about this, you say, you know, you, you, you retreat to your home and you do all of this, you retreat to your home with, you know, a huge amount of planning in advance and a huge amount of support around you while you're doing this. So with a pandemic in the mix, it's, and a toddler regardless of pandemics, it, it, it isn't, but it, it, it's also, I think the, the mindset of it is, is not that I need to be in this Zen bubble the whole time. You know, I had a toddler jumping on top of me. I had, you know, my husband installing a sound system in the sitting room for some unknown reason in the middle of it. It wasn't all Zen and, you know, me kind of in a spa, but it's the idea that the default is rest and the default is, um, you know, coming back to that idea of rest rather than feeling the pressure to be out and the pressure to be doing things um, but certainly with a toddler and no backup no support no one to take them to the playground or for a sleepover or whatever it is it's a lot harder um, and th there's just no getting around that what are they afraid will happen if you don't do that rest like what's the risk to you if you don't do that rest the, the ayurvedic tradition so the indian tradition would say it's 42 days for 42 years so your 42 days after birth impact your health for the next 42 years um, and that said if you don't have that rest and recovery there's an awful lot like we spoke about when we did the igtv um, together there's an awful lot you can do to build up that depleted state to counterbalance that but that's the idea that you're you're building yourself up for this next chapter and so what's being shown now with the work of Oscar Serilac and even I was talking my sister-in-law is a pelvic physio working in women's health in London and she was saying there's studies now showing if certain things aren't looked after and supported postpartum, it's directly impacting how easily we go through menopause, for example. Um, but also a lot of like um, mental health issues, um, postpartum depression, um, very a lot of anxiety. Uh, I see a lot of anxiety in mums when I treat them for acupuncture as well. And then a lot of autoimmune things, so inflammatory stuff because we're our bodies think we're um, under threat, so yeah. it's all inflamed, so a lot of autoimmune issues, thyroid um, uh, issues um, that can come up, digestive issues, anything that's, uh, you know, inflammatory. And I ask because I think that women feel too guilty to yeah. engage in that rest. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't know, they're not, they actually, they haven't been told that those are the subsequent, they're the, they are the consequences to your health, to not taking this rest. Completely. And, you know, from a 
a German perspective, you know, it's, it is all very lovely and great, but it's also very cost efficient. If you look after a woman for that two months and you give her support, she's going to be able to bounce back. She's going to be a better worker. She's going to um, be a less of a drain on the healthcare system. So it's, it's a, you know, politically and, you know, financially prudent as well, you know, their approach. But also, and I find this talking to all of the mums that I work with, it really benefits your baby um, as well as you, because I think we're so selfless as mums. Um, I was listening to you chat to Nessa um, about her amazing story. You know, she had fallen on her, on her bump, had shattered her arm in two places, and she didn't even realise she'd broken her arm for half an hour, you know, because she was so worried about her bump. And we're, we're just so focused on our babies that we don't think about ourselves. But the impact on our babies, um, I was talking to a really interesting woman recently who's a psychoanalyst, and she was talking about how when a baby is born, it doesn't have a regulation system. So our regulation system is how we respond to stress or to, you know, stimuli in the world. And we as mothers are the baby's regulation system. So we're existing in this feedback loop with them. And when we're calm and when our heart rate's low and our voice is in kind of baby land and our breathing is calm, we're telling our baby that that's, we're, we're training our baby to respond to stressors um, in an appropriate way um, and giving them that tool um, for life because those neural pathways are laid down really early. Um, so I think that really helps as well to know that I'm not just doing this even selfishly for me to stop me getting you know, things down the line, but that it's actually for the benefit of the baby as well. So take us forward then to your birth in Ireland. Birth in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we were living in Berlin for the first two and I got pregnant. I had a, a, an ectopic pregnancy that was um, a few months beforehand and kind of had my fallopian tube and ovary removed from that. So I didn't know even if, you know, a wonky womb and half of a, half of a rest of a system. But anyway, we managed to conceive again and at the same time, more or less, I decided we'd move back to Ireland. So um, we moved back and on, I'd had some bleeding at about 16 weeks. Um, and then we moved back when I was about 18 weeks pregnant. Um, and 10 days later, I started to bleed again. Um, and so at about 19 and a half weeks, I checked into hospital with bleeding and yeah, I didn't come back to the house for four months. Oh <laughs> so my God. I, yeah, I spent, we were living in Wexford at the time. We're in Wicklow now, but we were in Wexford then. Um, and yeah, I spent about two and a half weeks in, in Wexford and then had a couple of kind of scary bleeds. And so I was shipped up to the Rotunda for, yeah, for three months until 32 weeks when... I kind of my waters went and started going into labor so yeah Oscar came at 32 weeks then uh, which was a miracle because 
I'd nearly had him at 23 weeks and nearly had him at 27 weeks. So to get to 32 and they're pretty much cooked uh, was actually a, a brilliant, a brilliant result. But quite a chronically stressful period leading into that. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Yes, of course. And we had just moved, like my, my eldest was two, I kind of brought him to the gates of junior infants one day and then I was gone for three months, you know, and we just moved and all of that. Um, and then just, yeah, not knowing when I was going to go or, you know, what was going to happen. Um, but there was something kind of in the eye of the storm about it all really strange i think the most stressful bit was the very early bit where nobody quite had nobody quite knew what was going on and i was getting a lot of conflicting information so at one point a midwife said your waters have gone you're going to lose the baby and then the next morning i was told i was going to be staying in the hospital for a very long time and then I was visited by a consultant who checked me out of the hospital and then I was walking out and started bleeding again. You're back in the bed and it was all very, mm. just don't know where you are or, you know, have any thing to kind of grab onto. But then an amazing consultant came and just said, listen, and she was a mum of four, which I don't know if that makes any difference, but I always thought that it did, always think that it did. She just said, okay, you're 20 weeks now. You're not going anywhere till you're 27 weeks at least. So you're here and that's it. And that was actually a blessing to just know this is the gig, you know, rather than the uncertainty. That's an endless wait. It, yeah, it was, you had to, I, you had to kind of blinker yourself to a degree and I didn't consciously do it. And, you know, I was talking to my kids every day and I'd see them at the weekends. But you have to kind of consciously or unconsciously, I think, because I, I, I didn't deliberately do it. But slightly separate yourself from the rest of the world because it's too much. It's too much. Like I was still picking paint colors for the walls and doing crazy ordering of stuff to my house in Wexford. <laughs> um, you know, as kind of online shopping stuff but you do have to kind of shut out the world a little bit and I, I, I actually strangely it was very familiar when we went into the first lockdown again yeah. this this sense of I was like I've been here before it was just this sense of you have to kind of just focus on your little bubble because there's so much going on that if you if you really let your your brain go into it it's it's too overwhelming um so i think i that was my coping mechanism anyway and it was very much when i eventually got home that yeah the, for me the kind of shit hit the fan a bit more the eye the storm it was manageable somehow well that's it I, i'd imagine as you said if you're blinkered you're also suppressing you know yeah. you're you're not letting the scale of the the bad scenarios mm. come to the fore but there needs to be some physical release of that at some point yeah yeah which is also something I'm a bit worried about actually when we come out of COVID <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about that this evening with my husband um yes kind of going, what's gonna happen because I was in somewhere that was busier than I was used to mm. and I found it quite 
quite uh, overwhelming and kind of go, what's going to happen when we're all back in the world? I yeah, still find it's it hard. Be a collective breakdown and then a rebuilding. <laughs> yeah, but that certainly happened for me. Um, yeah, once, once, and this, you know, it's, it's, it's very common, you know, even the parallel of, you know, people working really hard, they go on holidays and then they get sick. It's that once your body knows it's okay to let go. Um, so it was very much, you know, did the three months in the hospital, had the premier baby, had him in NICU for five weeks or whatever. Um, and you're still, you know, C-section pumping every two, three hours still for him, even though there's no baby around going in and out to the hospital every day. Um, so you're still on that adrenaline and then think, you know, wanting to be a brilliant mom at home as well, yeah. you know, cause you haven't seen your kids and so you just don't stop. So I had zero postpartum. So the complete opposite, a far cry from 40 days of rest at home. Far cry. And so obviously it was a very extreme experience, but you should have had so for example when I was in Germany and I was in on bed rest with my second my insurance paid for me to have somebody come and look after my other child to cook to clean um, for a certain amount of hours every week because I couldn't do it and so there was this support that was like well this has happened so therefore you need this whereas in Ireland I had um, one consultant checkup in Dublin which I drove up to from Wexford and my son got bronchiolitis on that trip and we ended up in hospital for four days and um, two health nurse checkups where they weighed the baby and yeah. you know all of that so nothing different to anyone else um, whereas you know and I think that's what I found so shocking was this is what every so many mums are going through. Um, and my baby was okay. My baby wasn't sick. He was just small, you know, so I was really lucky. Um, and just my heart went out to so many mums who, you know, had so much more to deal with and no sense of support um, at all. Um, so, yeah. I think comparison is a, is a funny thing because if your experience is only what you have had through the Irish maternity system you take for granted that actually that's all the experts have deemed you need mm. Mm. you know if what you get is what you get then surely that's what somebody studied somewhere that said that well that's all they need yeah and therefore you don't expect any higher or more care and then you can all, then feel guilty for the fact that you feel like you're failing with the care that you're getting yeah yeah and then you you don't talk about that because you think that everybody else is doing fine you know and everybody else is is managing and why am I and you you end up doing this kind of which I certainly did you know self-silencing yourself really and not sharing that um, and it's not even, for me, it was, it was a step before even cognition that it was really hard. You're just in the trenches so much yeah. that, um, uh, yeah, you don't even have the words for it. You know, I often say to, to the mums I work with, a lot of our responses, our stress, our exhaustion, our overwhelm, 
our anxiety is a natural response to an unnatural situation rather than there really being anything wrong with us. We're doing incredibly well with very little. So was it, the, was it at this point that you decided to learn more about what it is that we were going through, what it is that you were feeling, what was normal, what wasn't normal? Yeah, yeah. So like it was, you know, a few months of just like blind madness of juggling and babies. And I, I don't think I realized quite how highly strung I was, how I, my response to it was quite um and because you had a home to set up and was to just not stop you know um i was ordering i ordered two tons of compost you know when my baby was two months old and shoveled it throughout the whole garden with him strapped to my front i was painting walls i was wondering could i climb the ladder and you know paint the front of the house i was just in this like adrenaline filled yeah, it was bonkers looking back, but I just felt like I had to kind of build my den, you know, mm. uh, and not stop and was quite anxious as well with that. Um, and I guess then I had it, you know, you just kind of crash at some point. Um, and then, re yeah, just kind of looking at that comparison between what I had in, in Germany. And then I think the key, the, the moment when I went, okay, I need to find out more about this. It was, wasn't just me. I was talking to other mums, first time mums who in Ireland, uh, you know, friends of mine who had difficult births or, you know, and very little support or just having a hard time, you know, breastfeeding or whatever it was and not realizing that, you know, that they shouldn't be on their own. And um, yeah, I, it was at that point that I, I wanted to go off and and see so the, the the entry point i guess for me was seeing okay what is this thing in germany this walking bed was i just bizarrely lucky that this was the one country in the world that did this um that i fell into or is this something bigger and why is it so important um so yeah went off and, and found a woman in australia actually uh, her name is julia jones and she trains postpartum doulas, but her work is very much looking at cultures around the world and the similarities between how cultures worldwide care for their babies um, or care for their mothers, I should say, after birth and um, then the science behind why that's so important and um, kind of melding the two um, into a, a framework for supporting and caring for moms. Um, so yeah, I did that training um and with that i guess the idea for nua nua was born um and it was only after that that i discovered the word matrescence and for me that was the missing piece of the puzzle so the layla definition of matrescence mm -hmm. i think it is the becoming of a mother that you go through when and sometimes they say when you give birth, but for me, that journey begins when you start to think about becoming a mother. So begin that conception journey, which is a lot longer for some of us than for others. Um, so it's that transition into a different phase of our lives, into becoming a mother. Um, and it's one that affects 
every level of us. Um, so our physical bodies change, our relationship with our bodies change because they're no longer just ours to give, you know. Um, how we see ourselves in the world. That was a huge one for me to kind of um, understand was that, you know, I had ideas of what I thought a good mother should be and they didn't necessarily fit with what my experience of motherhood was. Um, so yeah, those kind of cultural and societal preconceptions that we bring to it. Um, and yeah, emotionally, um, our place in society, um, our value systems, all of that changes um, and should change when we become a mother. And for me, that gave me a language and a framework for understanding my experiences in a way that even knowing about postpartum that that I didn't that I didn't have and understanding why I felt that real pull between who I wanted to be and all the stuff I wanted to do and I wanted to write a book and I wanted to earn and I wanted to work and I wanted to do all of these things have a career but I also just wanted to be home with my baby all time you know and that pull between me and um understanding what that was about was a real kind of relief because I had a language and a framework for it um rather than just feeling around in the dark because it's it's something that you give your entire self to yeah but it's so easy to forget that it's important to hold on to a piece of you as well and it's that yeah. conflict that's so exhausting. Yeah, it is. And the guilt around that conflict, I think once I understood that it's okay to have those two parts of me and that it's okay to have what Amy Taylor Kabatz calls the inner split, you know, that it's okay to feel, I really miss that kind of carefree, you know, woman who just, you know, had another glass of wine and was able to just go wherever she wanted and all of that stuff it's okay to miss her and it's okay to have huge ambition for your life and also have no desire to work from 8 a.m to 7 p.m five days a week and do all of that because you want to be home with your baby mm. on your chest in bed covered in puke you know yeah <laughs> and it's okay to have those two and also there's a way to do both, not necessarily at the same time and not in the way that society, we, we've been brought up to believe that our careers should be, which is this go, 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 must do everything all at once trajectory. Um, and also that value in what we're doing is phenomenal, you know. Um, and I think that's the missing link yeah. for me is that there isn't the same respect given to the roles and the tasks and the responsibilities and the workload that goes into being not even the idea of a good mum, but just the mum that your children need you to be. Yeah. And that the and the type of mum that you, the person like naturally wants to be mm. versus then that voice in your head because it's been reinforced for decades that says, no, no, you must still achieve the, you know, the societal things that have been shown to be, to, to equal success. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a huge, it was a huge thing personally for me. And it's a huge thing within that idea of matrescence. Um, like I struggled with that hugely. And I think once I understood that actually I don't, because society doesn't really value what um, we're doing. And if I look back and I'm really honest about it, I had a stay at home mom who had a, a better career than her husband when she married him. And she gave that up to willingly and wantingly to become a full time mom uh, and did so for, you know, all of our lives. Um, and I, I was critical. I judged her for that you know um, and I always said I want to be this kind of I want to have my own you know financial independence I want to have achieved stuff in that kind of way that society tells us that we should um, because it'll make us happy and you know feminism told us we can do anything that men can do and we can do it better but when I became a mother suddenly I had these two things in my hands you know this idea of what a good mother was from my mother and then this you know conflicting idea of what success was and finding my way through that has and finding the value and beauty in motherhood um has been a great just bloody relief to be honest with you you know um and has softened a lot of things for me but for us to emerge from matrescence i need my partner to have gone through a transition too yeah hugely and i think that's where i actually get really excited about matrescence because it is this on a on one level it's about our personal it's your journey and it's my journey and it's a rite of passage and i transition and i change but it's actually a way of you know for our husbands for our partners for you know it's not serving them either to work the way that they're working you know and not being at home and what when you transition into motherhood my experience anyway has been there's all these other skills that I'm actually developing in a in a really powerful way that I didn't have before and a different way of doing things and I think if we can embrace those and bring them into a workplace and bring them into the way that our partners work as well um, it can be a quite an exciting way of of doing business and of working together what are the i suppose just the simple guiding principles that we should be aware of as women who are either approaching birth or in postpartum that will enable us to have this smoothest transition because nobody likes change okay and motherhood is transformative in mm. so many layers and levels that are unique to every woman mm. um but are there like just the bedrocks of okay and I, and I know it's never as simple as just do these two do these three things and you'll be fine mm. but are there things that will enable us to have a slightly easier transition into this new version of ourselves i think no like we were talking about this before um we began i think knowing 
and feeling, knowing what is to come to some degree and feeling acknowledged in that is huge in and of itself. You know, if I had known before giving birth to my first, even, you know, that this was a thing, even if I knew nothing about it, it would have made such a difference to my experience of it because like we said, I would have had a framework for it. So I think knowing that we're going to change and that that's a good thing and that it's okay to feel not quite ourselves and for everything to feel a little bit upside down for a while um, is really helpful in and of itself. Um, and then that pouring out into those around us for you know our partners to know that there's a transition coming in the person that they're with you know um and how that they how they can support you in that as well um and then there's a lot in and around you know valuing that for ourselves and um, so i do a lot of work when we're doing the the the, the course i offer for pregnant women planning for their postpartum of just getting used to the idea that this is something that is beneficial rather than, you know, spa, like, you know, in it's, it's be, you know, a, a treat. And, um, you know, one of the women on, on the call last week that we had just kind of, I just like, I can't get over the idea that like people will bring me food and that I'd lie in bed, like I quite like like it but like it's it's mind-blowing you know so it's it's just that idea that this is um we deserve this and uh it's really beneficial um so going in with that mindset um i think is is really important um and yeah the other two things are while pregnant to, to plan it because we don't live in a you know in a world where that's just going to be handed to us. So do the graft in advance and do plan uh, for supports uh, in any way you can, you know, harder with COVID, but there's still things that we can do. And after birth, like all of this work that you do, Sinead, people sharing, people talking, you know, um, make those connections because that's the key to it all is, us as women getting together and talking and sharing because there's magic when that happens and it's it's really powerful so do make those connections and you know try and be a little bit vulnerable with other people because mm. most of the time we're all in the same boat god if you if you scrolled back through my threads <laughs> there is there's plenty of mm. uh, vulnerability um kind of coming out as ranting but it's it's all vulnerability but it has literally been the only thing that has I suppose kept me upright this year yeah yeah and it's it's yeah it, it's such a powerful thing and it's as it should be you know um we're, we do live like COVID has just exacerbated it to the nth degree but prior to that even you know we live we're in a a world where our communities have been so fractured and we live in these apartment blocks where we don't know our neighbors or on roads where we don't know our neighbors and you know it's it's not how it's meant to be we're meant to to parent within a community um 
I go through this as well in the course because I think it's it just blew my mind when I first understood that that we're not meant to do this on no. our own. I'm not meant to be, you know, burdening this, you know, shouldering the burden of all of this on my own. I'm meant to be doing this with a group of people. You know, the baby might be on my boob, but it's going to be held by somebody else. You know, physically or metaphorically in terms of sharing and. Um, yeah, that's that's how we're built. That's how evolution meant us to do it. So mm. whatever way we can, be it Zoom or WhatsApp or DMs at these days, but to keep doing that is is so important, I think. And if you have come a little bit further through postpartum and you have hit the crash mm. um, or the depletion, <laughs> um, as I kind of felt a few weeks ago, mm. um, you know that conversation that we had on on IGTV like that the feedback has all been this light relief of feeling like thank god i'm not alone thank god it is normal thank god i understand it now because mm. without understanding it without having a language to be able to articulate it we hold it in ourselves and we just beat ourselves up over what is actually a natural response to what's going on um, and what's going on is, as you said, we are shouldering everything when it comes yes. to the care and the survival and the nurturing of our children when we should be doing it as part of a village. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the key word is so much kindness to ourselves, you know, of just going, I look what I'm doing, like look at look what I'm doing this is not the way it's meant to be and look what I'm pulling off here mm. it's it's extraordinary it is a relief for me to know that women can you know have that support from someone like you mm. who has who has looked into this on our behalf and is now coming to us all saying don't worry I've got you it's normal yeah <laughs> We're not all going mad, but there is the most extraordinary group of women in Ireland, like yourself, like so many other women working in the area, like me and mums out there sharing what they're going through. Um, um, when we look and uh, find those those women, there is an amazing tribe um, out there and there's such power in it. it I find it daily inspiring so we are there albeit behind a blinking red light on zoom sometimes i can't wait until we're all in one room together i know let's take a glass of wine yeah Layla, thank <laughs> you so much for your time um and for doing what you do and i hope that anybody who needs you um i will certainly link all of the ways they can find you in the show notes because it is a very valuable service right now Thanks so much, Sinead. I love chatting. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are now 100% biodegradable, plant-based and compostable wipes and the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Layla at Nua Nua Online on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.